Well, good morning, everybody. Morning, morning. Are you comfortable enough? I hope the wasps don't make this an even more energetic morning for you. A um, couple of things that cleared up. Uh, first of all, I think some people misunderstood that um, it was my birthday today. It is not my birthday today. It was just the inelegant phrasing I used when I was speaking that gave some people the impression it was. So, but if, if you want to wish me happy birthday, that's fine. Uh, yeah, you're, thank you very much. The other thing is that this, this is not a talk, this is not a preach, it's a seminar. So if you have questions... I really do want to hear those questions on this topic. Uh, No questions about Donald Trump, please. Um, uh, None about stuff that's not on the topic, but uh, on the topic of personal Bible reading and personal Bible study. That's what we're here for. So let me repeat, if that's not what you thought this was, then there's a lovely coffee shop, nice buns, and you're welcome to go over there. But that's what we are doing. So my aim is very simple. I want to try to pass on. First of all, can you hear me at the back? Yes? No? Somebody's up, up, up from the grave heroes. Um, let me just uh, put this up. I've been told that if I move closer, um, I-, I struggle with microphones like this. Um, I have no pretension of wanting to be a rock star and um, fall in love with a microphone. So is that any better? It is. Uh, would, you, would you do me a favor, you guys in the back six rows, would you wave frantically if it drops and you can't hear it? There's no point in going for 10 minutes. Will somebody please tell them? You tell me, okay? It's a seminar. So do let me know. Um, so my purpose is to pass on to you some of the things that have helped me in my own personal Bible reading. Now, Um, I've called this encountering God through his word because that is fundamentally what I think Bible reading and Bible study is. That's the point of it. That is the purpose of it. I hesitate to use the word study. We all have a different relationship with that word. For some, it fills us with delight, others with despair, and most of us are somewhere in between. And it can so easily give the impression that the Bible is something you study. It's like algebra or architecture. Um, And yes, it is important. I mean, Paul encourages Timothy to study, to show himself a workman approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. But that was Timothy. Timothy had the role of a Bible teacher in a church. You may not have that role. And to take that and apply that willy-nilly to everybody, and if you're not studying, there's something wrong with you, I think that's a serious mistake. We're all different. We also all have a different relationship to the printed page. Many people over the years when I've been doing this kind of thing come on and say, well, I'm, just, I'm not a reader. And I understand that. I wasn't particularly a reader in my early years at school. In fact, I wasn't particularly anything except a dreamer. Uh, most of my reports came back home saying, well, when he settles down and looks actually inside the classroom and not outside it, he might actually do something. So I didn't have a very auspicious beginning to my uh, education. Um, We're all different. 
I do not want, therefore, to try to come up with some method for you that is going to suit everybody. That is just impossible. Um, there are some helpful things that we can say. And if you find a method out there, and there's all sorts of books on this topic, if you can find a method that works for you, wonderful. And if I don't reference it, or if this sounds totally different, please don't uh, criticize me for that, uh, because we are all different. And I find I respond differently. I struggle with methods. I'm not that kind of methodological kind of person, not particularly organized, etc. I, I now like to read and follow my reading where it takes me. So that's what we are going to do uh, in this time. Now, I'm quite a long way because of the microphone. My computer's down there, so I'm going to have to do a little bit of a dance here unless I can work something else out. Look at that. Stephen Cave. Wow. A round of applause. Stephen Cave, ladies and gentlemen. So, as I said at the beginning, it's a seminar. So I'm going to ask Stephen actually to come back up here. And um, what I want you to do is to honestly, if you would be willing to help us, to give us some of your questions that you have when it comes. Some of the struggles, some of the questions you have when it comes to reading the Bible for yourselves. Um, I promise you, nobody's going to do anything to you. Uh, nobody's going to zoom in and zap you for being so ungodly and unspiritual or anything like that. But it would really help me because I will then tailor the seminar to the questions that you have. Okay? Is that all right? So is somebody going to start off by just... just what we're going to do is we're going to take a, a collection of questions, maybe 10, 10 comments, 10 questions, and we're going to keep those, and then Stephen's going to make sure I answer them and all of that, aren't you? Is, is this your way of saying you didn't prepare anything? No, not t- <laughs> look, look, look at the evidence. I have at least three lines. On the- no, no. I- <laughs> okay, so let's... let's what, what are your struggles? What are your questions? We've got a question. Yo! Great question. Thank you so much. That, that taps into all kinds of stuff, and it's great that you... Ask that. If you're not a morning person, uh, I thought initially you said a morning person, uh, but it's a morning person. I got that right? Yeah, so should you change yourself to become a morning person and train yourself? Okay? Another one. Okay. So listening to God through his word. Thank you. Good question. Great question. Now, for every, all these people who have turned up to a seminar on how to study the Bible, nobody has a question. I cannot believe it. More. They're only here to check that you do it right. Oh, I see. All right. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. At the back. Okay. The Old Testament. Understanding the Old Testament. All right. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, can I ask you that question? <laughs> What do you do to to remember what you've read? (laughs) Brilliant. Ah, We have a male question. This is great. Yay. Fantastic. (laughs) Brilliant. Yes. These are all great questions. I should write a book sometime. Where do you start? How How do you start? I could do a signing. That's right. 
More? <laughs> Great question again. How much do I think reading the Bible is an individual activity and how much a collective activity? Okay. There's some questions here that maybe some of you haven't thought of, so now you do have a question that you didn't have. Yes? The role of a good commentary. Glad you added the adjective. <laughs> yep. Okay. So, good application, question, culture, moved on, different era. So, how do you deal with that? Yeah? Happy with that? How are we doing, Stephen? How would I have done Bible study with my kids? My wife is here. So she's just said she's not answering any questions. Um, what have I ordered you to? Oh. <laughs> she still hasn't forgiven you for the hen house comment. Right, okay. All right, Stephen, complete, come on, complete the line. Come here, come here. This is the way Stephen encouraged me after the first talk when I said I met my wife in a hen house. Stephen? No, your first comment of the week was, I'm a chicken whisperer. And then I met my my wife in a chicken house, and I thought you were going to say, and I've been hen-pecked ever since. What do you think, the Nolan show? What do you think? <laughs> you think you've got enough questions? Okay, all right. So we we have we have got a, a, a number. There's quite a number of questions actually that I find that people have that haven't been asked so far. So that's interesting. Just the, the direction of these. Now we've got those questions, but if there are others, um, please feel free. Okay, because as I say, I know there's a big crowd of people and so on, but I don't want to be. Speaking over and past and so on, I'd rather talk to the, to the issues than not. So, um, the importance of this, first of all, is extreme. And the older I become, the more important engaging with God through his word appears to me. Uh, there are, I mean, there's loads of places in the Bible you could actually go to to motivate you to say, look, this is important, even though I struggle with it. We think of the Lord Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. And we think of how he met each temptation with a very specific quotation from the the book of Deuteronomy. And I remember uh, my brother saying when he was talking about this once, he said, imagine if your success in spiritual warfare today, dependent on knowing the book of Deuteronomy, how well would you do? And the way the question was put, I found tremendously challenging. Um, because there, you know, there, there are some writers in the Bible who I, I hope I don't meet them too soon in heaven. Because they're going to say to me, well, what do you think of my book? And I'll be going, um, well, it was very good of you to write. <laughs> so I have still a long way uh, to go when it comes to this. This book is not just words on a page. It is unlike anything else in the world. And that actually 
speaks to the problem for those of us who don't really feel we're readers. Um, It's not about how fast you read, but it's actually engaging with God through his word. God has chosen to speak this way to us. There must be a reason for that. He's spoken to us in creation, through our conscience, through sending a son. But there must be a reason he has also entrusted his thoughts into text, into words which have been given through prophets and apostles for us to have. And even out of respect of Almighty God, it's important that we we take that on board. And just to keep refreshing ourselves and the importance of it is, is, a, is an important part of the stage. Um, one of the difficulties I have as a preacher is that precisely at this point, I wish I didn't have to, and maybe I shouldn't try it, keep encouraging and cajoling people to read Scripture. It, it, it seems like a, a strange thing to have to encourage people to read the book that God has authored. Um, when people in their millions are going to read all sorts of other authors and talk excitedly about it, and even in the Christian world. But when it comes to this, and there may well be reasons and we'll deal with some. So it's just important that we get it right and that we get the goal right. That the idea is not so that we can answer questions at the church quiz on New Year's Eve, you know, and we've got all these Bible quiz questions, and oh, I was embarrassing last week, so I'm going to read Ezra and Nehemiah and be an expert on them. So in case the question comes up, I don't think Ezra and Nehemiah would be particularly impressed by that motivation, although please read their book anyway. Um, but it's not that Because this is God expressing himself. This is God revealing himself. Consider it more like a love letter. Uh, It may be a while since you received one. You may never have received one. Um, But receiving a letter from someone you love is a very significant thing. And it also helps control the way you approach it. Because I've noticed that when people get a love letter... They don't start by, they look at it, my darling John. And then they go and they get the Greek lexicon out and they look up the word darling to try and see how many times it's been used previously in other letters and whether this is just a Western convention or whether it it derived from a Near Eastern convention that was influenced by the Mesopotamians who in turn... um, you read it. In fact, when I got letters, I used to go to the end first. <laughs> and if she signed her letter, yours sincerely, Heather, that was the end. <laughs> but she never did. She never did. She never did. So, um, but you read it, and then you read it again, and you read it again. And if somebody came to you and you're there, you are sitting with your mug of coffee and reading your letter, and, and they say, oh, what are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm reading this letter. Oh, how boring. How dull. I mean, it's only just squiggles of ink on a page. And you say, well, you see, the person who wrote this loves me. Every word is important. It's just, it's just you know, 
She's not here at the minute, so I'm just reading this to, 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 to get at what she's saying. Yeah, you get the idea. And I think that can change the way we approach Scripture. If we see it as a thing to study primarily, or as a thing to find out facts, or if we see it as a kind of handbook to life, like your car handbook, and when you get a flat tire, oh gosh, something's gone wrong, let's go and look up the relevant bit. And something's gone wrong in my life, so we desperately hunt through the Psalms or the Proverbs or something to try to find an answer to the problem. It's not really what the Bible is for. The Bible is the revelation of God to us. And as I said on the first morning in talking about Philippines, isn't it great just to have a time in the day where you set aside your own agenda and let God have his agenda? Where you're not coming to his word with a whole stack of problems you're looking for the answer to. You're coming to his word and you're saying, Lord, speak to me today. What do you want to talk to me about? All the scripture is profitable, Paul tells Timothy. All of it is inspired. So, Lord, show me in what way this is profitable for me today. I set aside my problems, my questions, and all the things that are tearing my life apart. I pull myself aside from that. You have something to say to me I long to hear your voice. I need to hear your voice today to get through my day. Yeah, get the idea. So those are important things in terms of our approach. So my first tip, therefore, is to just check your motivation. Check your approach. Make sure it's the right one. And it's not for these other reasons legitimate reasons, but not really the purpose in which Scripture has been given to us. So the main purpose, yes, it was a wasp. (laughs) Brilliant. That just shows how responsive I am to questions. Has the wasp a question? Why is this heel hovering over me to crush me to death? There there we go. Um, There are quite a few of them around, so uh, sorry about that. Uh, So our main goal then is to encounter God through his word, to get to know him, to learn from him, his mind, his purposes, his thinking, and through his word to hear the voice of God speaking into our life. And I'll come back to that later as to what I think that means. Now, this is not the same as listening to podcasts. It's not the same as listening to people speak at New Horizon, even me. That's a different dynamic. God has gifted teachers for the church, and there's a reason for that, because we all need taught, and I hope I can play a role as one of them. But they are not there to replace your encounter with God. Each of us is to know him. That's one of the terms of the new covenant. The old covenant, you had a whole series of priests and experts you had to go through. In the new covenant, it says, you'll not need to say one person to another, know the Lord, because all will know me from the least to the greatest of them. This is a relationship for all of us. So it's important that we do that. Nor is reading scripture the same as getting interested in theology. I hope I'm not offending anybody here. But I do see a lot of people making this mistake. 
They think that studying theology is the same thing as what I'm talking about, and it usually isn't. Now, of course, there is an obvious flow from one to the other. But you see, people can take to theology as someone would take to astronomy or somebody to take to French and they become an expert in theology and not know God. That's, that's the challenge. And I would urge those of you who are doing theological training, not to stop your theological training, but be very careful that you don't turn the word of God into a theological proof text or something that you deconstruct. I speak that because my son Simon did theology at Oxford and it took him several years to recover. In the sense that he was recovering his personal relationship with Christ, which was so deeply affected by the methodology of theological education. So be careful about that. And if you know young folks who are straining to go to theological education, well, do have a little word in their ear and ask them how they're getting on with the Lord. So many theological students are struggling in their own walk with Christ. They're dealing with all kinds of personal difficulties. They're maybe brilliant in their theology class, but they're having major struggles personally. Don't overlook this. This is vital. This is actually more important, not less important. At school, um, as I said, I had all kinds of problems with study. I was a daydreamer um, when I got a maths question. You know the kind of maths question you used to get. You know, if somebody throws a cricket ball that's going at 60 miles an hour, uh, 22 yards. Anybody get questions like this? Do you remember this from school maths class? You know, your eyes are glazing over. And, uh, but because it was a cricket ball, then I immediately was at the cricket pitch. And I was, I was thinking to myself, this is crazy. This is not exact. Because there's all kinds of things that a cricket ball does. There's swing, there's spin, there's loop. Um, you know, I, so I never got those questions right. I thought maths was nonsense. My brother is a professor in math, so there you go, figure that out. My church background also was confusing with regard to the Bible because I would go to Sunday school and there would be a story. Unfortunately, in those days, they kept repeating the same stories on cycle every four weeks. So I, I knew the story of Naaman, captain of the host of Israel, um, just by heart because we got it every four weeks and I never quite saw the point of the repetition, but there you are. Um, things have improved greatly. Uh, and the materials for kids and young people, uh, many of them are absolutely fantastic. But my background is a bit confused. So you got a bit of that there and then you got something else on the Sunday morning and something else on the Sunday night and then something else somewhere else. And you had no idea how to fit the whole thing together. It was just a confusing mishmash. So it, it took me a long time. And finally, one speaker came to our church and talked about the importance of actually trying to study a book of the Bible. I had never heard that before. And I was probably about 15 at the time. So I tried to take it seriously. He suggested Romans. So I started into Romans and I started at Romans chapter 1, verse 1. And I read it through. 
And my goodness, I didn't know there was this stuff in the Bible. Oh, right. Hmm. Okay, does my mum know this is here? Uh, and then I read uh, Romans 2 the next night. And then the next night I read Romans 3. And by the time I got to Romans 4, I'd forgotten what was in Romans 1 and 2 and 3. And then I, I just got, and I gave up round about Romans 6, which is where most people give up in Romans because it, I just didn't know where I was. And what was this guy talking about? I, I just couldn't put it together. So I have had lots of struggles of my own. By the time I got to university, I realized that I needed uh, to know more. I wanted to know more. But the Bible was just really a closed book. And that's not anything disparaging about my wonderful godly parents who were great people. I just struggled. We're all different. And in my time at university, there was a a man lecturing there. His name was David Gooding. Some of you will know of him. He was professor of classics of Greek and so on. I'd known him when I was a child. He used to come to our house. He used to play games with me. And when we got fireworks, you remember when you were allowed fireworks? I'm old enough to know that. I used to show him my fireworks. He used to talk to me about the stars. He talked to me how to memorize Latin words when I cycled my bike to school. This was one, I didn't know, but he was a world-famous academic, one of the top world experts in the Septuagint. I didn't know this. To me, he was just this fun guy with a weird English accent who was actually, unlike most people of his age, interested in me. And when I discovered he was lecturing at the university, I went up the rickety stairs to his room one day and knocked on the door, and he came, and this is the way he saw, Oh, Gilbert, old boy! I just love that. And I miss it because he's an old man now, very frail. Gilbert, old boy, come on in. So I came in, and after a little chat, he always made me a cup of tea. Always, always a cup of tea. Rosaria, brilliant. And... uh, and then he said, what can I do for you? Well, I, I, well, I didn't quite know what to say. So I said, do you, do you take people on? <laughs> and he did. For year after year after year, every Wednesday afternoon, this busy world-class academic teaching all over the place had time for this little creature from Armagh. <laughs> coming in and trying to learn how to read the Bible. So I didn't do this on my own. And somebody's asked a question about reading the Bible with others. I did not do this on my own. If it hadn't been human speaking, uh, humanly speaking for David Gooding's influence, I would not be here. I just simply could not have done what the Lord has allowed me to do. It just would have been impossible. This is not meant to be a lonely journey. Journey with someone else. And if you can, find somebody who you know can handle the Bible, knows it, and go and ask for help. Most people like that I know of will take you seriously if you are serious. And that's an important writer to it. Because over the years, Young people have come to me and said, Gilbert, you know, I'd really love to spend time. I'd really love to. And I say, fine, come and meet me. And and then the meeting is cancelled and then I never see them again. Because they were moved emotionally. The spur of a moment was a great thing to do, but nothing had changed inside. And that's fine. Um, But I don't have time to go chasing 
those who don't want to actually grow and learn that way. And and now I'm just old and over the hill anyway, so um, there we go. But I was so blessed to have someone to mentor me in my personal journey. And I was a slow learner. Uh, I know a number of you know my brother. He's very different from me, different personality. I couldn't do what he does. He couldn't do what I've been doing in church leadership. That's just not his thing at all. Um, But he's got a mind like a Rolls Royce and mine's the Honda 50. So, you know, or somewhere in between. So we're very different. And that's great. Because this isn't for the super duper sharp intellectual. This is for every believer. He is able to read and able to think. And I know there are those who are severely limited when it comes to these things. That's a different question. Um, It's for those people. So um, let me run through a couple of little practical things, questions that maybe you haven't asked, although I've touched on some that you have already. Often I'm asked which version of the Bible do you use? Um, the answer to that is simple. I use the NIV, uh, 2011, I think that's the, isn't that the date of it? NIV, 2011. Um, I also read the ESV, um, uh, the English Standard Version, I think that is right. But uh, I have to say my personal preference, the NIV, because of the language. I, 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 want, to, I want to share scripture in language that people can really grasp. Uh, and understand, uh, and um, I encourage folks. The New Living is can be very good, very refreshing to read, but when it comes to this kind of slightly deeper level, thoughtful reading, I, I find that kind of combination between NIV and ESV. Now, if you're used to using the King James, that's great. Keep using it. If you're brought up in it, and the, the kind of rhythms, the beautiful language of that, Absolutely fine. I think the New King James has done its best to retain a lot of that rhythmical, poetic language and clear up some of the, the little glitches that don't make any sense these days. But that's fine. I'm, I'm not big into championing one thing against the other. I'm just telling you honestly what I read. Now, that leads to a question that was asked uh, there. Where do you start? The Bible is a big book. So how do you know where to start? Uh, Let me suggest two simple things. I would always encourage people to try to read through the entire Bible, old and new. Now, you can start in the new if you want, since it's closer to you in terms of history. But old and new, read it all. That may seem like a daunting project, but I just encourage it. Now, this may be a little bit controversial, um, but I'll say it anyway, hey, why not? That's Thursday. Um, I'm not a fan of those systems of Bible reading that jump you all over the Bible. I, I don't actually see the point of that. Um, because what they're doing is you read three chapters of Genesis and two chapters in Kings and three in Matthew and two in Revelation. That is not how the Bible was given to us. The Bible was given to us in whole books. And one of the basic principles that I have always had inculcated into my brain by David Gooding is read it a book at a time. That's my pennyworth, and I'll probably be hounded out of here um, afterwards. So Stephen, would you sort of act as a protective detail? Um, but it's just, it's just a, you know, I'm coming from a literary back, background. I study literature. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me. 
I'd never dream of doing Shakespeare by reading three um, you know, scenes from Act One of a tragedy and then decide, look for a little bit of light relief, I'm going to go to three scenes from a comedy and then I'm going to add up one of his love poems at the end and do that every day. Yes, you get to know Shakespeare a little bit better, but it's not quite the same. So I just encourage you to, to read. I think there's some, Biblica have some resources I, I noticed. Um, Stephen, do you want to, yes, actually, come, come, come here for a little moment, please. I know this wasn't rehearsed, but since you're here, um, you have championed certain, certain ways of, the Bible reading, reading book at a time and so on. Do you want to say just something yeah, about that? It's very much what, what you've been saying. I was even noticing this morning in, in Philippians, when you read Philippians a chapter at a time, it's only four chapters, two of the chapters start with therefore. Well, why would you ever stop reading something when the next word is therefore? And the other chapter starts with further. So it's a continuation of it. And it's actually trying, as you say, to, to grab the Bible in its literary units. And we, I mean, we even devised a, a format of what we called the books of the Bible that some of you will have come across. Takes away chapters and verses because it was not written with chapters and verses and gets us into that habit of reading whole books at a time, understanding the context of when they were written, what they were written for, and then getting a much more immersive experience of it. But particularly with, with Paul's letters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And folks can see that at the Biblica stand, can't they, Stephen? It's still there, but it's not. Right. It's not there anymore. Okay. Well, go online, can they? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So look at Biblica online and maybe buy that as a present for yourself uh, of uh, the books of the Bible just like that. So you can read them as books without the interruptions of the chapters and the verses. And they're ordered chronologically. Uh, rather than the way we have them now in our Bible. So it's just one useful thing to do. So that's on the general Bible reading. And I encourage people to do that. And if you can do it once a year, it'll take a while, uh, unless you're a a fast reader like my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law Mervyn, who uh, came to faith just a few years ago. Uh, He left school, I think, when he was, what, 14 or something? Um, And, uh, uh, you know, he got into ulcers and went to the Navy, building all kinds of things in the fire service and so on. Never noted to be a reader, got converted, and they can't stop him. That's just fantastic to see. And the appetite for reading going sitting on a stone in the causeway and just taking the Bible out and reading and reading and reading is just so unchallenging to me. And he's, you know, sending questions in and I'm going, I haven't read that book. And And this fella is just, you know, he's just raced past me. And I remember friends telling me that a lot of the guys in the shipyard used to do this kind of thing too when they got converted in Belfast. And the Bible readings at lunchtime and that. Is this, is this being lost? Have we, do we feel somehow we've got a more trendy, cool version of Christianity where we don't need to do this anymore? It's so exciting. And sometimes we can learn a lot from others. Now, um, the second part of that is to learn to focus on individual books. Um, one of the reasons that I asked, uh, suggested that I do Philippines this week was that I, I knew I was going to do this seminar and I wanted to have a role model when we come to this seminar of what it's like 
just to teach through one book of the Bible. Now, that may happen in your church. I don't know if it does. It's something that we do, not exclusively in Glen Abbey, because we will do thematic stuff as well. But our approach for 30 years has been to teach through books of the Bible. In fact, the first book we taught that way was Philippines in Glen Abbey, right? So it's lovely to come back to it. I've taught it maybe four or five times in my life. This week feels as if I'm teaching it for the first time. And that's another thing. It's a bit like that quote from about Aslan and Lucy. You know, the older I get, the bigger I discover it to be. And it's just been renewed all the time. So do remember that. So what uh, David Gooding said to me all those years ago was grab hold of a short book, something that you can read at a sitting. And I can remember his words. Gilbert, before you lift a pencil, before you turn to a commentary, should you ever do that, read it through 12 times. 12 times. Now, I didn't ever ask him if this was a magic biblical number where on the 12th occasion something miraculous would happen. I don't think so. I think the point he was making is don't give up so quickly. Don't be in a rush. Especially don't be in a rush to application. This is one of the biggest mistakes we can make is we're in a rush to application. And you see it in small group Bible studies all the time. They have to get to the question, how does this apply to me? And very often we're not at that stage yet. Or what people think of as application is not simply application. The application may be simply to allow the words of Scripture cleanse your mind. Stop looking for little applications like, I must be nice to the cat. I say that because my wife does not like cats. So here's the application today. I'm I'm trivializing it, but you see what I mean? The Bible is not some little moralistic storybook. And the moral of this tale is, let's be nice to one another. You don't need the Bible to tell us that. So allow an application could simply be to spend time reading and allowing the words of Scripture to replace the words that are screamed at you from the Nolan show and out of the papers and all the rest of and have bombarded you through the day and you've switched it all off and you're just letting God's word wash your soul. And you don't need to get up from that and say, well, the application now is. No, you don't. You've spent time with God and his word. You've encountered him. So let's just be careful about what we mean by application and also what we mean about practical. Uh, David Gooding used to go berserk, if we could imagine old Prof Gooding going berserk. But he used to go berserk when uh, the word practical came up. He was just, it's, it's It's all practical. Even the last full stop is practical. Don't people know what the Bible... You know, and so we have go on. To me, in the room. This is is how he went on. I mean, it's it's amazing. Just to have this two-hour session of being bullied about Scripture was... No. (laughs) But 
It is. It is all practical. Everything. Even those lists in the book of Numbers. If we know what we're reading. If we understand that all that stuff and all those pages and pages of what we look at in Numbers is just... Oh, my goodness, I'm glad I wasn't asked to read that out on Sunday morning. And you read through all that, what in the world is that in the Bible? And then you suddenly realize that as part of the book, the next part of the book is they're going on a journey. This first part of the book is the preparations for the journey. And you start going, preparation for a journey. Because a lot of us make very inadequate preparations for the spiritual journey we're on. We don't take time. We think we're ready. They thought they were ready. So God just kept them back for a while. Preparation after preparation. Do do we need all this? Yes, you do. So that's just a simple. It's all practical if we know how to see that it's practical. So... Reading it, reading it, someone asked about um, reading it together, reading in community. I think it's a great idea to read scripture together in small groups or with a prayer partner or whatever so that you're hearing it together so that you can keep keep each other uh, right because it can be very difficult. Um, Let me give you an example of what happens when we read this is First Peter chapter 1. Would you turn with me, please, in your Bibles to First Peter chapter 1? And if you don't have one, just listen in. So I start my reading. Here I come to the text. Peter. Oh, that reminds me. Cousin Peter. I... I didn't send him a Christmas card. And wasn't was was his wife ill or was no no maybe it was his son. I I don't know. Just a minute, let me get the phone out and amazing. Okay, let's we get an apostle of G, an apostle. What is an apostle? Is that the husband of an epistle? An apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect election. I, do you know, we got a card through the post about the European elections. And I have forgotten. And my wife told me, if you don't get your name down in the register. Oh, all right. I'm sorry. We're back here with exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus. I wonder where we'll go on our holidays this year. Um, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia. I've heard Cappadocia is lovely. And there are mountains there. Didn't Winnie go there last year? You see the idea? We need to actually teach yourself to to read sometimes. I am convinced, as I said the other day, that one of the biggest problems unspoken of in Christian discipleship is a reading problem. It's just learning to read without distraction. Listen, if you have to use the old-fashioned reading method of putting your finger on the page 
and drawing your finger down slowly in the middle as you move your eyes from side to side, do it. It's wonderful discipline. It helps you keep focused. Whatever way you find, master this. Find a method that works for you, but master the ability to read. And sit down, therefore, and read through a short book. I started with the letters because there's a lot of short ones. And I started actually with First Timothy was the first book that I took seriously in that way. And I read it and read it and read it and read it. I did the 12 times without lifting a pencil, without, not all at once, but over the course of maybe three or four days, I read it all. And then I started reading again in a different way, and I'll come to that in a moment. But as I read it, the fascinating thing was, now I, um, I have a poor memory. There are some people who have a photographic memory. You just have to read something once, and it sticks. They're very rare, they're very few, but there are some. I've met one, there's one in my family. I, I'm not like that. And actually trying to memorize scripture was never any good for me after about um, nine years old when people stopped giving me money for it. Um, (laughs) But what I found was that when I read and read and read and constantly read the same short letter, do you know the content started to stick? And it started to stick in context so I knew where I was. And David Gooding used to say to me, I want you to read this to the point where if I phone you up at two o'clock in the morning and say, Gilbert, what is 1 Timothy 6 about? You could tell me. So that was the motivating voice in my ear. Well, why don't you try that with your friend? Maybe not phone them up at two o'clock in the morning. But... And just, just do that, to get the content of Scripture. There's nothing magical, mystical, anything about this. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I don't see angels every time I read the Bible. I don't hear voices from heaven. But this is God's voice. So I want to listen, expose myself to that. Read it, read it, read it, read it. And as you do that, don't ignore your own personal psychology. Someone asked the question about... Our, being a, not being a morning person. Um, now, I am quite good, actually, at both ends of the day. I'm no good in the middle of the day. <laughs> That's my trouble. And in the afternoon, as you will soon see. Um, but morning and evening, generally, I can do quite well. Um, but to, to turn an encouragement in Scripture and the description of what David did in days when he went to bed at 6 o'clock because the light disappears and there are no neon lights in the streets. I, do you know I made the mistake that some people have made? I used to read biographies of missionaries. You ever do this? You know, fantastic to do. But I made this mistake because I read that these missionaries were getting up at four o'clock in the morning to take time with God in prayer. And I thought, that's the key. So I tried it, nearly killed myself. And then I discovered they went to bed at six. They'd had 10 hours sleep before they got up. Don't ignore basic psychology, basic geography, nor indeed your age and stage in life. Do you know what? God knows it better than you do. Work with it. 
Don't try and force yourself to become someone else and think, therefore, the secret to spirituality is X. Now, don't misunderstand that for me to say that discipline isn't important. Discipline is important. But it's discipline that you impose on your life, not that is externally imposed on your life by some legalistic convention that is held out as the answer to spirituality. Don't go down that route. So don't ignore your personal psychology. We have now, at this advanced stage in our lives, a little summer house in our garden. I have I've arrived. Unlike Paul, I have arrived. And this is just a little summer house. There's no, well, there is a wee heater. We've put a little heater in it. I love to go out there and read there. It's just, it's just great. And I look out at Gallows Hill, uh, uh, where I live, uh, near Clock Mills, and it's just a brilliant place. You can't always do it, of course. But it does help if you find somewhere where you can have your mug of tea and you, you know, obey your own psychology. But create that space. Create that time. And if you have to, like John Wesley's mother, throw the apron over your head so everybody else knows to leave you alone for 20 minutes, do that. But... Find a way of doing that. Okay? So, read the text. Read, choose a short book. Read it. I suggest, well, you could do Philippines. Why not? Why not do Philippines? Or Titus. Or First Peter. Or Second Peter. Or First Timothy. Or Second Timothy. Or, if you want to be really short, Second John. Do you know, wouldn't it be fun to actually just do Second John and read it and read it and read it till you knew it and you'd sense the message and heard God speak to you? Listen, the confidence it gives. When I did this years ago with First Timothy, the confidence it built up in my, the right kind of confidence and the conversations. People were chatting. I said, you know, I was reading something in First Timothy that actually speaks to that. Let me share it. And of course, we all think, oh, here comes Holy Joe preaching. Don't preach it. Just, I, I read this. What do you think? Great. Quote it. Read it. Sharing scripture. I think, again, these things tend to have largely disappeared. And one of the things that has greatly encouraged me at New Horizon is hearing from people that after the talks and so on, standing in the coffee queues, people have been talking about what they've heard. That is wonderful. There's nothing that discourages me more on a Sunday when after teaching the Bible, somebody comes up, well, what are you doing for the holidays? And I'm going, do you know, this is, a, this is a holy moment. This is an opportunity. Why would you? Yes. Thank you. Can you read them in any order? Do you read them in the order? I would suggest that you choose one book. It doesn't matter where it is, Old Testament or New. I started with the New Testament for the simple reason that these short letters were written to the church. I'm part of a church. I'm a Christian in the 21st century. These are Christians in the 1st century. So the immediacy, therefore, of the message was there. So I didn't have to think my way through Old Testament history and the context and so on. I was in a much more contemporary... That's why I chose the New Testament. And any of them, it's all God's Word. So that's different from the reading through the whole Bible. So it's good to raise that question. Just choosing one. So that's what I did. And because it's all God's Word, He will speak through all of it. And it just builds your confidence 
and helps you. So you get familiar with the text. And as you read it, certain things will strike you each time differently. Now, this is different from most of the methods that are prescribed in your Bible study books. So I, I warn you about this. This is the opposite of verse-by-verse Bible study. And it's not that I'm against verse-by-verse Bible study, but I think it usually comes too quickly, much too quickly. And so all the materials, for example, for home groups and all the rest of it, and I can understand why, and everybody's got their passage and they work through it and they, and they come and so on. I would rather see the materials first week, We just sit in our group and we read the entire letter together and we pray over its content and we ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Next week, we do the same. The next week, we do the same. And by the third week, and everybody reading the text every night and every morning if they can, or in the middle of the day if that's the only time you can function, by the end of three weeks, you've got a a group of people in the room who could virtually quote the core content of the letter. And then when you come to your individual verses, you will be in a better position to understand what they mean because you know the context. Let me give you a silly example of this. Is this okay? Are you still with me? Are you all gasping for breath? Um, Let me give you a a simple example. Suppose I burst into your home group or into your home or what, and I said, John bought a bicycle. And you're going, oh, weird things happen in this church. Is this a word from the Lord? What's going on? John bought a bicycle. Now, do you understand that sentence? Yes or no? Well, you understand the words, don't you? John, John's a person's name. Bought, well, we know what that's involved in. And we know what a bicycle, well, some of us do. I mean, I know it's an ancient method of, no, it's not. Uh, so John bought a bicycle. But the reason you're saying, no, you don't know it, is because you have no idea of the context. Supposing you knew that John had had a road accident six months before, hadn't been on the roads, was scared to go out of the house, and you as a group had been praying for him, and suddenly I rush in and said, John bought a bicycle. You know immediately the significance of that because you read it against the context. That's what I'm talking about. Unless we know the context, we are in great danger of completely misunderstanding what Paul is saying. Philippines, for example, has some magnificent statements in it. I can do all things through Christ He strengthens me. Oh, you mean you can fly faster than a speeding bullet? You can leap tall buildings? (sighs) No, of course, that's absurd. But what's the context of it? And as we'll discover tomorrow, the context is the roller coaster of material circumstances in life. Learning to cope when you have plenty. Learning to cope when you have nothing. And Paul says, I have learned to be content. You notice that? He had to learn it. This is not something that fell off the back of a lorry for him. I've learned it because I can actually cope with these things, all of these things, through Christ who strengthens me. It makes a difference, doesn't it? And it also gives you something to say to people who are struggling with material stuff. 
you've got an application. Instead of this general, oh, don't worry about it, Gilbert, because you can do all things through Christ. And I know that on people, and that's true. The Lord will strengthen us in every way to do. But isn't it better to see what it means in its original context and to, to grasp that? Yeah? Okay? Okay. Very quickly then. Um, I'm not going to answer all the questions. What time do we finish, Stephen? We finish now. Okay. Can I make one final point? Yeah. Sorry that this has been so inadequate if it has been. Um, but uh, we are in the Feed Trust. There's a little trust that I'm involved with that looks after me and uh, my big brother John. And so I'm going to be producing a series of short videos doing this so that you'll be able to get those. So you can look up the Feed Trust in a few months and they'll all be there and they'll all be free so you can enjoy that. But um, the final little question, uh, point is this. Read with questions in mind. Because a lot of people who come to me and say, I got nothing out of my Bible reading, and I'll say, well, what were you looking for? Well, I have no idea. It's like my wife sent me out to the supermarket to get something for tea. Oh, what? <laughs> and you go into the supermarket, and it's just, you know, it's everything. And I come back empty-handed, and say, well, what happened? Well, I just, I just didn't know what I was looking for. I have a question in mind. Simple question. Does the writer say why he's writing? Because if he does, now you've got the purpose. John's Gospel tells us in chapter 20 why he's writing. He leaves it to chapter 20, so you have to read to there to get it. And then you can go back and say, well, okay, how does he fulfill his purpose? Peter, in his letter in chapter 5, tells us, I'm writing you and affirming that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. So that means you could go back to 1 Peter. Whatever you've been told about what Peter is about, now you know what Peter is about because Peter tells you. And it's amazing the number of books that have been written about 1 Peter and talks that have been given that ignore what Peter himself says about his purpose. His purpose is to declare the true grace of God as a place that we can stand. That's the point. And you can go back and say, well, what does he teach about the grace of God? And he teaches about it everywhere. So ask questions. What does it tell us about God? But not just generally like that, but what's the specific emphasis? So let me end this time with a few questions for you. Why does the book of Hebrews tell us that the main point is that Jesus is our high priest? And why does Paul not do that in Philippians? Why does Peter in his letter emphasize the fact that Jesus is the shepherd? And why does Paul not do that in Philippians? So start asking questions. The why question. You remember the kids? Why, Daddy? Why? Because this. Why? Because this. Why? Because I say so. Be quiet. Keep asking the why question. Why does he say it? Why does he say it here? What is God saying through that? And that itself will unlock. So that's, that's it, folks. I've done too much. I hope I've given a few things just to encourage you to get into it, to get started, to refresh. There's loads more to come, but I'll commit it to video and then you can watch it. All right?